0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Welcome, everybody. Great to be here. Look, I was in Florida, and it was amazing. It really was. It was like an advertisement for what can happen when your state is not run by people who are completely beholden to the Democrat Party. When your state is not overtaken by those who either seek to control you or are too terrified, too anxious to make reasonable decisions, to come to fair-minded conclusions about the kind of trade-offs involved in dealing with a pandemic like we're seeing right now. I was in Florida for a week, and what did I see? People going about their lives, going to businesses, going to restaurants. I went out to eat night after night. Restaurants open. Businesses, stores. Imagine this. I I realized that I needed something. I had to go buy something. And I didn't even have to call ahead and say, hey, are you? No. I went to a bookstore in Florida. It was almost like a time warp. And you might say, well, hold on a second, Buck. They must be engaged in an experiment of human sacrifice, there must be a tremendous amount of loss as a result of their reckless policies in the sunshine state. And it turns out that's not true at all. In fact, Florida is by the numbers, by fatalities, by hospitalizations, better off, has been throughout the course of the pandemic and continues to be better off than its two nearest states for comparison New York and California Florida is better off now let's understand this i've seen all these objections that will be raised i've seen all the people that say oh no look at the number of cases and they pick some arbitrary look at the cases in Florida from december 18th to december 21st see it's not better off it's pathetic it's desperate We can all tell what's going on here. Let's understand this for lockdowns to be even remotely worth it for lockdowns to be intelligent public policy. There should be no debate when you see the numbers between cases, hospitalizations and deaths in states with the most stringent lockdowns versus those that have taken a more open approach. We should be having a conversation about how Florida has two or three times the COVID cases, two or three times the deaths. Not that it actually has less than states that have been going through continuous lockdowns for months and months. It should be absolutely obvious. It should be clear. And yet it isn't. You don't even have to get into a debate about whether Florida is Better than New York when it comes to how it has handled covid, whether Florida is better than California. And yes, we're talking about a large Republican governed state versus two very large Democrat uh, Democrat governed states. This is about politics now because political parties have made it so because people that believe that Fauci is some kind of a saint have convinced themselves that anyone who doubts the wisdom of these catastrophic, irrational policies is a bad person, is a person who doesn't care about human death, doesn't care how many people lose their lives. Well, as it turns out, those people were wrong. They were wrong. And we can see it. And we all need to understand this. You need to be secure in the knowledge that you have from seeing what's going on around you in the country right now. You need to know that the experts are not going to come over to your side because this has become the experts and the elites unified against those who believe that freedom and the Constitution and the right to ask questions aren't supposed to be suspended the moment there's an emergency. In Florida, I was at restaurants. I was out. I was seeing people living their lives. I was down there with brothers, uh, my two brothers, and my girlfriend, and and seeing various friends, some of whom you'd even know from this show and from conservative media. People who either moved down there, or, and they were showing another way. You know, the states in our system are supposed to be experiments, in a sense. There's the essence of the states as laboratories for different policies. And the Democrat obsession with the most stringent lockdowns possible, the Democrat obsession with making this as horrific an economic and emotional and psychological cost as possible from this pandemic, uh, it's not going to stop. We have to stop them. We have to win the argument. They don't even see the results that we see and come to the same conclusion. They don't turn around and say, you know what? You're right. We shouldn't have done this. This was a bad idea. No, they turn around. They say we need more of it. We need more double down, triple down. Why hasn't it worked? Because we haven't done it well enough. They ignore. They always talked about the data in the early days of this and Fauci and the others were talking about their adherence to the data. Well, when you point out that compliance when it comes to masking compliance, when it comes to these draconian policies is higher than it has ever been, and particularly in places like New York and California. And I'm just most familiar with the numbers in those states. There are others you could put in there as well. But they said that they figured it out. They knew what to do. They had the facts, you see. And so they told tens of millions of people, cancel Thanksgiving, cancel Christmas, don't see your loved ones, live in fear, watch your business be shut down, Watch your bank account. Watch your life savings evaporate. Because it's the only way you'll be safe. And now what you see is that we had to do all that. We had no choice. They made us. They used the force of the state. And we're not safe. The numbers are off the charts. Cases rising as though the stuff we're doing doesn't really stop it at all. That's where we are. Observe it. See it for yourself. I came back from Florida. I was, on, I was on the plane. I get to New York and sure enough there's members of the National Guard taking data because they insist they insist that we fill out all this information about ourselves so that we can be tested and test and traced. What, what is that going to do? By the time they contact me a week will have passed. I'll already be beyond the quarantine phase. They've got Hundreds of thousands, now a million New Yorkers say that they've tested positive for COVID. A million. That's the latest number you see. And the claim is what? They're going to be able to call every contact, every person you see? This was idiotic from the start. You cannot test and trace a million people. Never mind the actual millions of people beyond that, that you have no idea whether they have this or not. New York covid hospitalizations are up 80 percent in four weeks. A million residents have tested positive. And what is Governor Cuomo doing? He's saying that they'll fine people a million dollars. Now, any practitioner who gives a covid vaccine to somebody who's not considered at the high priority will be fined a million dollars. Oh, that's right. Make it so that now there are enormous penalties attached to giving someone a vaccine that could save their life if it's not in the order that a bunch of feckless bureaucrats decide that's going to make the vaccine get distributed faster that's going to help no they haven't helped at all they've been catastrophic failures in fact chief among them has been the governor of new york although the governor of california is right behind him and now we have this incoming Biden administration that has learned none of the actual lessons based on the data and they're going to do exactly what has been done all along and that has failed all along. And if we don't stop them, if we don't win the argument and push back and non comply. Everyone will eventually see this as one of the greatest periods of national folly of the last hundred years. I mean, this is insane what we're doing. You can see it for yourself. I saw it. people are going about their lives in Florida. Yes, there are cases there. Yes, it's it's a very serious disease. It's very dangerous to the elderly. And yet you can still allow life to continue while trying to take reasonable steps to protect yourself, reasonable precautions. What you see in these Democrat enclaves and what you will see from the federal level from Biden, Harris is unreasonable you'll see unreasonable steps not just continued enhanced expanded they'll go even further into this which is just the height of stupidity we can have our freedom back or at least much more of it than we've had we can have our constitutional rights back freedom is our fight this year 2021, I'm telling you right now, is going to be all about the fight for liberty on an individual basis and for a free society. You have the lockdowns. You have the tech censors. You have a Democrat Party that increasingly just bears its authoritarian fangs without any sense whatsoever of fair play and good faith toward the other side because they haven't had it for years because Trump defeating Trump in their minds justified absolutely anything this year is going to be about the fight for freedom make no mistake about it I don't care who the president ends up being I don't care who ends up winning the next two seats in this Georgia runoff it's going to be about taking back our freedom from those who have taken it away from us and who are ultimately I think terrified about what would happen if the American people came to the realization that this was All for what exactly? The mask mania, the lockdowns, the constant lectures, the Orwellian propaganda everywhere about hand-washing and social distancing. What exactly did that save us from? Where are the results? Where's the upside of any of that? As a policy. Uh, If you say that, they'll just yell at you that you don't believe in science. And then they'll tell you that there are more than two genders. That's the world we live in now in this country.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to bucksexton.com.
1: 24 hours away, give or take, from I guess we, what we would call it G Day for Georgia. Not quite D Day, but it's a big day tomorrow. We have two Senate seats hanging in the ballots. And with those two seats, control of the Senate. And if the Democrats were to manage to take this, and if the current path, which will have a Biden-Harris presidency, continues, which I think we all have to assume it will, uh, that doesn't mean we give up the fight, but it means that we have to prepare for this reality. And that's what I've been telling you for weeks. And I think now if we all look back at that, in fairness, that was the correct approach. Fight, but prepare. All right? this is the, this means you you know you keep throwing you, you keep throwing the ball you keep running up the middle. It doesn't matter if you're down two touchdowns, but you know you also got to be ready for the possibility that you're not going to the Super Bowl. But in Georgia, what we see are two Democrat candidates who are really uh, particularly. Well suited to show you what the Democrat Party has be, has become in, in this moment, and notably this this uh, this Ossoff character, who, who is it's almost like a a elitist Democrat created in a lab. I mean, this guy, no, nothing about him, nothing about him speaks to strength or wisdom or good judgment. He's just he's just a little little rich boy who wants to be important and powerful. And so he figures if he says, if he mouths the right slogans, if he says the right things, Ossoff will get to be a senator. And look, there are plenty of clownish politicians on both sides. And there are people who, yeah, they've got a lot of access to money, maybe from their family, whatever it may be. And and they're not particularly impressive either. But this Ossoff guy, I got to say, not not uh, (laughs) not somebody that you'd want in your foxhole. That is for sure. Kelly Leffler. I was surprised at this one. Kelly Leffler able able to throw throw some elbows when necessary. Here she is. Play one.
2: Georgia knows that John Ossoff is a pathological liar. He's a trust fund socialist whose only job has been working for the Chinese Communist Party in recent years. And look, here's the deal. If we're going to tell lies about my campaign, let's tell the truth about who he's campaigning with. This is the truth. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock has been involved in child abuse, domestic abuse. He's someone who has praised Fidel Castro, Louis Farrakhan, Karl Marx, James Cohn. These are radicals. He has attacked our military, our police, our small businesses, and every Georgian who wants to live the American dream. So I'm not going to be lectured by some 33-year-old trust fund socialist who's a pathological liar.
1: Let it rip, Kelly. Let it rip. I like it. I like how she gets right to it and decides that she's not not going to hold back on this guy. He really does remind me very much of that Obama-era meme of Pajama Boy, the guy picking his You remember he was picking his uh, his Obamacare plan and his pajamas drinking tea. He kind of even looks a little bit like us, but not that that matters. Kind of funny, though. So Georgia matters a whole lot because if we lose Georgia. Well, then we all recognize that if we lose Georgia, uh, if we lose both of these Senate seats, the Democrats are almost certain to have unified control. And, and really, let's be honest, folks, it's 99 percent that that's what's going to happen. If they take those Senate seats, they will have unified control of the government. Nancy Pelosi was just voted in as Speaker of the House. You know, what my favorite thing about that is talking about a, a Chardonnay socialist. I mean, Nancy is should we call her Pino Nancy or Chardonnay Nancy? She's a, a, among the most outrageous hypocrites and frauds. You could find in the Democrat Party, which is saying a lot. I mean, that's quite impressive to pull off that feat. But Chardonnay Nancy has now the uh, is now the speaker of the House and the next as the as the next Congress now is uh, going about their business. And she also required the votes of some members of Congress who had recently tested positive for covid, but were told to fly in and vote anyway. I saw this. I just I I. It's amazing, isn't it? You can't say it's unbelievable because, of course, you believe it, because, of course, COVID is so dangerous and so horrible that you can't be in the same home over the holidays as loved ones, including loved ones who just by nature of father time don't have much time left. You can't see them. But if a Democrat who is important is going to have a funeral, well, then the COVID rules get waived. If a Democrat needs votes on the floor of the Congress, then the covid rules get waived, almost like the virus has a political affiliation. You know, the the virus will back off. And you saw this even over the over last summer when suddenly mass gatherings were safe during covid outbreaks because it was necessary for public health, for BLM to burn down stores, loot buildings and attack strangers for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind, Those are the kind of public health experts that we've been listening to. Don't get me started on Dr. Fauci. That guy is one of the biggest catastrophes to befall America. Fa- Fauci belongs in the history books alongside generals in World War I who sent thousands and thousands of men directly into the machine guns, hoping the other side
0: would run out of ammo. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast.
2: But while we are on the subject of socialism for the rich, which my Republican friends have suddenly become very concerned about, let me talk about the Trump tax proposal that was pushed very hard by Senator McConnell and the Republican leadership and where I think every Republican voted for it. You want to talk about socialism for the rich? It is not the bill that puts $2,000 into working-class hands all over this country. That ain't socialism for the rich. This is socialism for the rich in that bill. Amazon, oh, by the way, I must say this if I may, we were quoting the liberal Washington Post owned by Jeff Bezos, the wealthiest guy in the world. So here is Jeff Bezos' company, Amazon, And they received a tax rebate. They paid nothing in 2018 in federal taxes. That's a corrupt tax system to begin with. But then on top of that, they received $129 million as a tax rebate. That, Senator Thune, is what socialism for the rich.
1: If there's one thing that Bernie Sanders knows, it's socialism. That's for sure. He's not necessarily honest about socialism, but he certainly is quite familiar with it is it's his ideology. I mean, it's this guy's reason for being. It's why he is a senator. It's why he was almost the Democrat candidate for the presidency. And I wish he had been because at least with Sanders, you get some honesty about what the Democrat Party is. At least with Sanders, they're more upfront about it. Notice how he goes after corporations. And this is just all for show. It's almost like a Bernie Sanders candidacy. It's to make it seem it's to make it seem like there's an openness about the radical aims of the Democrat Party to get the base all on board. But they're not going to let them really run the show because they don't understand the bargain. The radicals, the squad, the people in the Democrat Party on the far left. They're there to make noises about these things, but they're not the ones that are really going to run things. AOC just voted for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker of the House. That happened. I think the whole squad actually voted for Nancy Pelosi. Now, what is what do we learn from all of this? The radical left, the activist class with the Democrat Party, they're there to pretend that all they care about is social justice, uh, a- advancing uh, minorities, interests and advancing socialism for the poor for the working class and for the poor, but really for the poor, actually, for the non-working class. And for the elites on the other side, you have Democrats like Pelosi, who this is the whole game. Who benefits from the Democrat Party the most? It's the people that are the most dependent on government and the people who benefit the most from government. And that does include very powerful corporate interests. That does include libs who run the tech monopolies. It includes the leftists who are in charge of places like Amazon and Google and others. Yeah, that's right. They like the government because it can be an anti-competitive edge for them. It can prevent them from having to really deal on in a free and fair marketplace with opposition. Right. The more regulations you have, the more carve outs in the tax code, the more legal hurdles and all the different Individuals' back office that you have to have to comply with the different dictates from DC. Well, if you're already a mega corporation, you're making a ton of money, you're good to go. Big business loves big government. Don't ever forget that. Especially big business that can continue to find ways to benefit from things like the tax code. So Bernie Sanders railing on about $2,000 to Americans. This is where Trump and Bernie agree. And there is something because of the populist nature of some of Trump's ideas and some of Bernie Sanders ideas, there is something to the crossover. And there has been on trade, there has been on America first and the workers in the in this country getting the benefits of being Americans over foreigners and having jobs outsourced and all the rest of it. Uh, Now, that work is far from done. And as we know, there are a lot of a lot of continued battles we have to deal with from the Trump uh, from the Trump first term but i'm just telling you right now i don't know why republicans it's almost like they're trying to lose these two georgia senate seats it's almost like they don't want to be back in the mix i don't know what to say now there's there are two elements here there are the linwood i'm crazy going to say insane things about the election which is so damaging because it undermines the very real questions and concerns about the election, about the integrity of the election, the fraud, all of that, right? What's what's a great way to undermine real objections? It starts to feel like this guy, Lynn Wood, is either crazy or he's a Trojan horse for the left because the best way to undermine the real objections is to constantly spout nonsense, and if you look at this guy's Twitter feed, I, I'm not even going to get into it, but the guy's just gibberish. It's just crazy stuff that he's saying now. And there was a time when I know many Trump supporters were looking to him because he was saying, oh, no, we're going to it's all a fraud. And we're going to prove it. And I'm I saying, OK, great. Show me that proof. I, I think it was a fraud, too. Where's where's the proof? And other people are looking at this and, and talking about uh, double voting and they're talking about Dead people voting. And those are the those are the real considerations and concerns. What do you have uh, when you when you look at the Lynn Woods of the world? What are they telling you? What are they saying? I can't even it's too silly to even repeat. I mean, he's talking about people being tried for treason and, and just just crazy stuff. So remember that there are those who pretend to be in this fight. And they're actually helping the other side. There are those who are holding themselves up as the great champions of MAGA. And they are actively assisting. They are aiding and abetting the Pelosiite left and the Democrats, the socialists. And they're doing so either because they're too stupid to know otherwise or more likely they're frauds. They're frauds. And they understand exactly what they're doing, actually. They understand exactly what's going on here. Now, there was this phone call over the weekend that was released by this Georgia Secretary of State, Raffensperger. And this guy, again, he's a little rich boy, okay? And, you know, that's just the truth. So Raffensperger is a rich guy who wanted to be important in Georgia, so he becomes Secretary of State. Really has no experience or knowledge that's, but okay, look, you know, he's got the role. So we got to deal with this. And Trump called him. And I'm just going to say this. There are certain things an honorable person doesn't do unless there are extenuating, you know, extreme circumstances to it. And then you'd have to explain what those are. But you don't have a, you don't have a phone call with the president of the United States that you surreptitiously tape. And then publicly release You know, if anyone that I know, if anyone who worked for me or with me or around me did this, I would be right, rightly outraged just because it's a dishonorable loser thing to do. And that is what Raffensperger did. And you have to wonder, what does he think? What purpose does this serve? I think it's because his own ego, he was worried that Trump was going to say things that he didn't like. So if he taped it, he'd have that as backup. But even still, if you're going to do that, tell the president that says, Mr. President, I'd like to record this call. That's the honorable thing to do. You know, that would be the way to. Now, I think Georgia has a one party consent, but I do believe it was across state lines. Anyway, I I don't know. The recording laws are a bit complicated. They're definitely variable and they're a little bit complicated. Um, Here is some of this phone call, though. Play clip twenty one.
2: I just want to find uh, 11,780
0: votes, which is one more than we
1: have, because we won the state. So so tell me, Brad, what are we going to do? We won the election, and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. Now, what what's the media saying about this? How are they taking this? Well, they're claiming that Trump is trying to uh, Trump is trying to to cheat he's trying to push and steal an election that Trump is trying to that's what they're doing now, what is Trump really saying here his belief and i i'm i would I would bet any amount of money that you want that Trump does think this does believe this although i don't like to bet so i 'll take that away but you know what i'm saying i I bet you i'll just say it that way I bet you that Trump really does believe that he won this election, that he won the election, and he thinks he won in Georgia. So all he's saying in Trump's mind is, come on, man, you've got to get me the real answers here. There's no way, there's no way that the rate of absentee ballot rejection or mail-in ballot rejection was so much lower this time around with so many more ballots. It's not possible. So find out what happened here and all he has to do is show me 12,000 roughly i mean i know he said 11,000 something 12,000 ballots uh, that are invalidated from their side because they were illegal ballots and i win that's what he's that's what trump is saying but i know that the way that the, that this is reported on is trump is pressuring him. i mean i mean he's really going to pressure him he would make some kind of a threat you would assume right he would do something beyond this but now they're now they're at uh, they're at defcon DEFCON won against Trump. Now it's it's the the usual panic. And, you know, here's Senator Van Hollen. Oh, it's a criminal act. Play seven.
2: Well, I I do think this has the elements of a a criminal act. uh, And there's been a lot of discussion about that. Uh, I think the authorities in Georgia uh, and a future Justice Department uh, need to look into that uh, and make a determination about whether or not to bring. Uh, charges. Obviously, this president is facing a lot of other uh, potential uh, civil and criminal liability when he leaves
1: office for other acts he's committed. Uh, and this is you know going
2: to be part of that review uh, by future administration. But uh, I think or the authorities in Georgia.
1: Now, there's no criminal act here. This is just bull crap from a from a, a clown. But what he's telling you is is important to remember. And I, I want all of you to remember this. They will not be satisfied when Trump leaves office. They will not be satisfied with that. It's not going to happen. They want him to be prosecuted. That is what the Democrats actually want to happen. They want to see him dragged into court, criminally prosecuted and ruined, because in the back of their minds, a lot of them must know. I mean, this has already come out. They recognize that what's gone on here looks shady to tens of millions of Americans And beyond that, the Trump movement is going to continue. The Trump movement doesn't stop just because Trump isn't the president. And what really we need to start thinking about, what are we going to call it? What is this? Conservative populism is it constitutional populism. We need to come up with a word. Is is it just, you know, MAGA or what are we going to say about this? Because it's not stopping the it's it's more than even just a set of policies it's an approach to politics that's not going away so they want trump to be prosecuted because they feel like that's the only way that they'll get to a point where all of a sudden all of a sudden uh it will all stop
2: it will be over
1: it'll be done the nightmare of having to deal with this guy will come to a conclusion i'm just going to tell you this right now this is the rubicon my friends If Democrats bring a criminal charge against Donald Trump, and if you don't think they're capable of it, I got news for you. I think they are at the state level. They'll bring some kind of rinky dink, Mickey Mouse criminal charge against President Trump when he leaves office. We need to be prepared for that, because notice how quickly it shifted from unity, unity, which just meant shut up and do what you're told to. Well, now we're going to have to actually go after Trump criminally and go after his family members. They didn't miss a beat. No issue with it, no problem with it whatsoever. And they're serious about it. While our side has got Paul Ryan and other people going around telling all of us, you know, the gentlemanly way to act, the Trump, the uh, rather the, uh, the Democrat side is saying that Trump needs to be criminally prosecuted. The Democrat side is saying that Trump is a huge, uh, a huge target for retribution, And that's what they're looking to do. It's just a question when they get the opening.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
2: If I were the House Democrats, there's nothing stopping you right now from convening the Oversight Judiciary Committee. Play the audio in full for an hour straight. Make every member sit there and listen to it. And then vote on impeachment right there, because that there has to be a cost for these things. And even if he won't be removed and indicted by the Senate, President Trump deserves the historical stain, the permanent stain of impeachment. There's a reason why these processes exist in the first place. It's to have some measure of accountability, even if not in real time, but for the future and for that context. It has to be made very clear by a co-equal branch of government that what Donald Trump is caught on tape doing... Is illegal. It's wrong. It's undemocratic. They want to impeach him
1: again. It just, just in case you're wondering, is Buck going too far? they really want to project? Well, they want to impeach him again. We've got what, three weeks? Less than three weeks before there's a a transition. And I know. Look, I understand. There's going to be an objection to the certification of the results. There should be more investigation. I agree with that. I agree that we should have. Uh, more information. We should look into this. We should look for accountability. I agree with all of that. But I'm telling you the truth. A lot of other people are going to pander. I don't pander. The objections that these 11 senators are considering or not uh, considering are not going to stop anything. They're not unconstitutional. It's not a crisis. It's fine. It's the right thing to do, but it's not going to stop anything. But they still, even with all of this, Democrats are out there talking about how they want to, they want to impeach this guy. You know, well, how many people were talking about impeaching and prosecuting Obama? And when I say people, I'm not talking about, you know, your random buddy, Phil, who lives down the street from you and mutters to himself a lot. I'm talking about actual elected Democrats in office. How many of them were talking? I'm sorry, Republicans. How many elected Republicans were actually talking about doing this? None. We're all happy that Trump had won in 2016. We're thinking about the future. Well, not every Republican was happy, but a lot of us were. Now, here we are. Now what we see continues, uh, continues to play out in exactly the way that we should have expected all along, which is that their hope is that they can get retribution against Donald Trump. Not enough to beat him. They want to get him and not just him. People who supported him, people around him, maybe people who even say too many nice things about him on radio, you know, just just telling you right now, wait for it. I'll tell you when it happens. IRS all of a sudden is going to come knocking on the Buckster's door. Hey, Buck, nice radio show you got there. Be shame if something happened to it, Trump supporter.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: Big week in politics. How are we looking, my fellow conservatives? What are we dealing with now? My friend Sean Parnell joins us. He is a former Army Ranger, author of Outlaw Platoon, as well as other great books. He is a candidate for a congressional seat out there in Pennsylvania, and that fight continues on. Uh, But Sean joins us now. Sean, great to have you.
3: Hey, Buck. Good to be back. I hope you had a great holiday season.
1: My friend, let's talk about Georgia first. I mean, you, you just you just ran in this last election for Congress and you're very plugged into what's happening. And you certainly know in real detail the ways that this election was uh, funky. I guess that's a way we could describe it, that there are problems here. There was clear fraud. Uh, but explain this to me. How do you how do you think we're we're shaping up right now in Georgia? I'm I've been worried for weeks about the. Apathy effect mixed in with some of the uh, the lack of focus that I'm seeing from the GOP nationally and in Georgia.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I I am very, very concerned for Georgia. I, I mean, you know, because a clear signal that the Supreme Court and other courts, federal courts and state courts have set a precedent that really the Constitution doesn't matter. Laws, election laws don't matter. When we saw laws as specifically here in the state of Pennsylvania, Buck, that that were violated. Whether, you know, Act 77 itself, our mail-in ballot law was unconstitutional, to the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania changing, unilaterally changing election law to remove the postmark for mail-in ballots and signature verification. All of these things are required by the legislature to change, uh, but Pennsylvania changed them. And then you have This Mark Zuckerberg money, this uh, Facebook money, poured into the state of Pennsylvania and PA-17 in Allegheny County alone got $2.2 million, which basically uh, paid judges of elections, boosted their salaries, paid for ballot drop boxes and satellite remote voting facilities. All of this stuff was changed on the fly, Buck, all of it. And we're seeing the same things happen in Georgia and indeed... What happened in the general election in Georgia, there were there were ballot drop boxes there. There were remote satellite uh, voting facilities there. Uh, poll watchers were denied meaningful access. And I mean, when you think about the, the concept of a ballot drop box, I mean, come on. Anybody with an ounce of common sense can tell you that they cannot be supervised 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What prevents any democratic activists from stuffing a hundred ballots in there every single day for a week? And in Georgia, they didn't scale back on any of this stuff, Buck. Uh, the Secretary of State in Georgia plussed up on ballot drop boxes, so now there are more. And so you add to all of these unconstitutional last minute voting changes, right? You add to that the level of what you said, the apathy that I feel like Trump voters are feeling like. I mean, many, and, and, and by the way, I think it's very important. There's a clear distinction between a Trump voter and a traditional Republican voter. And for success, for there to be any level of of success achieved in Georgia, both traditional GOP and Trump voters need to turn out in force. And and the base, the Republican base, the Trump base feels, I, I will tell you, they feel a sense of apathy because they feel like they were left behind by the courts and perhaps even some members in the Senate and the House who aren't fighting as as passionately as I think they need to be uh, to make sure that people have a, a sense of clarity with the selection. So I'm very worried uh, about Georgia. Hopefully when the president goes down there today, he'll stir up the base in Northern Georgia because in Northern Georgia, those Republicans need to turn out in force. Uh, but I'm worried because, man, I feel like we are staring we, we are staring into the abyss here, man. This country stands on a thin line between hope and darkness. And if we lose, if we lose both races in Georgia, I mean, the Democrats have not made a secret about the fact that they will do everything that they can to fundamentally change America for generations. What do you
1: think, Sean, about this plan? So we got we got Georgia tomorrow and then you know, this is a big week, a lot going on here with Georgia tomorrow. And then you have. The certification January 6th, right? The Electoral College Results Certi- Certification in, in Congress. Uh, you got 11, 11 senators who are saying that they will reject the electors from disputed states as not regularly given and lawfully certified unless a 10-day audit is completed. You've got Senators Cruz, Johnson, Lankford, Danes, Kennedy, Marsha Blackburn, Mike Braun, Cynthia Loomis, Roger Marshall, Bill Haggerty, and Tommy Tuberville. Uh, They've all said they're going to vote against accepting election results unless there is a 10 day audit. They want to extend this thing out. Uh, Just first off, what do you think about this at the the macro level? Is this the right move? And do you think it can do anything?
3: Well, look, I agree with it. I do think it's the right move. I don't know uh, if if a 10 day commission is going to have the time necessary to get the information required to do anything with it. Um, I, I, Senator Cruz, I think is, is right to push back on this issue because I'll tell you, look, and this is just from, from my personal experience on the ground in Pennsylvania, Buck, I have no idea how any person, Democrat or Republican, and I mean this, can certify the race in Pennsylvania. I mean, everything that I just mentioned about unconstitutional changes to election system, to our electoral process here, uh, last minute, on the go, and add to that, like we're putting together uh, uh, an audit of the vote numbers using Pennsylvania's own reported numbers at a precinct by precinct level. And across the state of Pennsylvania, there's a 120,000 vote deficit. And what that means is there are 120,000 more votes than voters statewide, right? Than people who cast ballots. In my district alone, there are 63,000 more votes than people who voted on Election Day. And this is data that can be taken from the SHORE system in Pennsylvania. The SHORE system is our official voter database and registry. By law, Buck, by law, the state of Pennsylvania cannot be certified until those numbers are reconciled in the SHORE system. And we just swore in the 117th Congress yesterday, and those numbers have yet to be rectified And Allegheny County hasn't updated the shore system since November 24th. So this is clearly illegal. Uh, And I I don't know how anyone can certify the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, This election was just a a disaster. And every day that goes by, we found out more information that makes me less comfortable uh, with the way that the election is conducted here in Pennsylvania.
1: Sean, uh, we're speaking to Sean Parnell. He was a candidate for congressional seat in uh, Pennsylvania's 17th district. He's a former Army Ranger, bestselling author. And uh, as all of you listening to the show know, buddy of mine. And and Sean, I I need to ask you this. Why is it so, you know, you you tell me these numbers. For example, you mentioned Pennsylvania over 100,000 more votes than voters. What is the explanation for this? Because I, I feel like there's. You know, one of the one of the problems is that there are these real objections and real fraud. Uh, let's let's call them indicators right. that have been all mixed in with the, you know, all oh, the Kraken is coming. Right. And there's a, you know, Hugo Chavez was hang out with Pol Pot and they hacked into machines and they flew them to Mars. And, you know, there's all this nonsense out there, too. And it is nonsense. <laughs> and then there's the real stuff. And the nonsense is making it harder to get answers on the real stuff. So to, to do that, we have to ask the question. Well, what would the other side say about this? I mean, it seems like it couldn't mm-hmm. be any more clear. You have over 100,000 more votes than voters in just the state of Pennsylvania. What is the explanation for that? Or, or do they just say the data is wrong?
3: Well, so they could. So we, we we asked for a response from the PA secretary of state, and she basically said exactly what you just said. Oh, yeah, you guys are wrong, uh, but we're not wrong. We used Pennsylvania's own numbers that precincts reported in the state of Pennsylvania. And we use the source system, which is, again, Pennsylvania's official voter registry. So our numbers are airtight. We are absolutely correct. What the secretary of state in Pennsylvania would likely say is, you know, uh, Allegheny County hasn't officially reported all their numbers yet. You know, there was a pandemic, more mail-in ballots than they were used to dealing with. It takes time. But here's the deal. It's been what over two and a half months since the election was done allegheny county hasn't updated the short system in the state of pennsylvania since november and it is against the law to certify a race until those until those numbers are reconciled so why then did the pennsylvania secretary of state along with governor wolf certify the race in november how could they certify the race without reconciling those numbers there's they have there is simply no explanation that they could have that would be sufficient for the amount of misconduct, and I would go so far as to say corruption that we're seeing here in the state of Pennsylvania. It's systemic, and Buck, what I just told you about the voter deficits, I mean, all of this will come out in the report that we're releasing tomorrow, but Buck, this is just the tip of the iceberg. It looks like, and and again, we can substantiate this, but uh, the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania, Secretary Bookbar, uh, allowed uh, certain left-wing groups to have access, administrative access to the shore system. Again, the official voter registry of the state of Pennsylvania and granted them admin access to give sub access to other left-wing groups, that's unprecedented, that's unprecedented. And so I, I, I don't know how anyone can certify the race in Pennsylvania until many of these questions are answered. And, it, and so to circle back to your initial question, if Senator Cruz, if Josh Hawley, if these 11 senators in this 10-day audit can, can somehow make that happen and help us answer those questions, Boy, well, I think it'll do a lot of good for this country uh, because, believe me, a lot of people feel right now like their votes did not matter, like their votes were canceled out by illegal votes, like elections moving forward won't matter. And and man, we got to get answers to this stuff now because if 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 you think that the that that the radical left was good at manipulating the system to further their own goals in 2020, they'll get better in 2022. And will be even better in 2024. So we've got it like at the end of the day, Buck, the Constitution either matters or it doesn't. Laws and statutes either matter or they don't. And all I'm trying to say, I mean, the left would say, oh, you're trying to overturn an election. That's absolutely not true. I'm just trying to defend the election. I'm trying to make sure that laws were followed. And it looks like in Allegheny County, uh, they weren't. Um uh, there's so much misconduct in this race in, in, in Pennsylvania, Buck. I don't even know where to start. I, mean, I don't even think ten minutes is enough in an interview to even talk about it, and that's unfortunate. But you know, hopefully that that the, the debate in the House and the Senate will give us some answers and some clarity moving forward because I think the people deserve it. Give us
1: give us some sense of what when you say that you're releasing a report tomorrow, so people are getting a little preview of it here on this show. How, how did you bring together this report? What is it looking at? And and then just just give us the you know, the the executive summary top line findings that you can as of now?
3: Well, we commissioned a, a former intelligence analyst. Um, this person wants to remain anonymous because they have a small business and they don't want they don't want to be targeted by the left and harassed. Uh, but uh, all of the information that we have in this report will be sourced with links from people. If people don't trust me. and And you know what? Fine, don't trust me. I, I want you to go and think critically and get this information on your on your own. All of that, all of our source material will be in the report so people can go see with their own two eyes. It will show you the voter deficits and the, a voter deficit just means more votes than actual voters who showed up or voted on election day. Um, it will show you uh, left-wing access in 2016 uh, to the shore system and in 2020, we've had multiple requests for information to the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania. They've all fallen on deaf ears, silence, crickets from the state of Pennsylvania. So we don't, the truth is we don't know what left-wing organizations had access to the shore system in 2020, but I bet you it's worse than 2016. And another thing that we found that was incredibly concerning was that Allegheny County was removed from the election map database in the shore system, which is supposed to be publicly available at all times. In fact, a couple of counties were removed from that database, we believe that they were removed to prevent further scrutiny from whatever audit that might come down the pipe. But the two counties that are removed, and again, I I can send you the information on this and you'll see it in the report, Allegheny County and Philadelphia County. Those are the only two counties in the state of Pennsylvania, I think right now where you can't go and pull up the election map to see how many mail-in ballots were cast, how many provisionals were cast, how many many in-person votes were cast. And that information is critical that with regards to how they're going to reconcile this 120,000 votes statewide and 63,000 votes uh, in my district uh, and a part of Allegheny County alone, but 48% of the voter deficit in, in the state of Pennsylvania happened in Allegheny County. And without Allegheny County available publicly on the election map, which again, by PA statute is supposed to be available to the public 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not there. It's not there right now. You can go to the own, you can go to the website and look. Allegheny County General Election is not there. And without that information there, how, how can how, how can there be any transparency or accountability on how they reconcile these numbers? There can't be. And no. So
1: there, there there cannot be. Well, Sean, we appreciate you continuing to stay in the fight. Let us know. And I know you've got this report tomorrow. Release it. I'll be sharing it to people, and uh, we'll have you back on to talk about where this goes. Sean Parnell, everybody. Thanks so much, my friend.
3: Thanks, Buck.